Merry Christmas, everyone. Go ahead and grab a seat and welcome. Thanks for being with us here this Christmas Eve. We're so glad to have you guys. All look so so nice, and uh, so great to have you here this Christmas Eve service. Like Steve mentioned a moment ago, uh, the guy who is doing announcements. If you are a guest with us for the very first time here at Grace Church, the Medina East Campus, or if you haven't been here in a while, uh, we just want to extend to you a very very special welcome. Thank you so much for being our guest, and we hope that you feel welcome. Uh, because you are welcome, and we're so glad uh, that you are here. Just a little bit about Grace Church, if it is your first time here. Uh, Grace Church is actually one church that exists in, in eight different locations. So what you might not know about Grace is that we are what is sometimes called a multi-campus church. And so you are actually right now currently sitting in one of our eight campuses. This is called the Medina East Campus of Grace Church. We've been around for about six years. In fact, we turned six in December here. And so it's great to have you. My name is Tony. I am uh, the campus pastor here at the Medina East Campus. And if uh, we haven't had a chance to personally meet, I would, I would actually really love to do that. And so if you don't have to leave too quick after service, please come and find me. And I'd love to hear your story, kind of hear how you got connected. And that'd be great. And so thank you for being our guest. Thanks for coming out. We're really glad that you're able to be with us. And I really do count it an absolute privilege uh, that you would let us be part of your holiday plans. Because one thing I know about every single one of us is we are all very busy people. And particularly this time of year, I know that all of us are kind of running around from one family thing to the next, from kind of one tradition to the next. And so to be able to carve out some time to come and to make this part, this service, be part of your Christmas celebration means a lot. And I, I really love that we get a chance to do this because... If you're anything like me, what I have found is that it is very easy during this time of year to just kind of get caught up in the whirlwind of Christmas. And so my wife and I, we have four kids, and so we run around town, and we visit different people, and we have our traditions, and there's the presents, and the celebrations, and there's the food, and there's all that wonderful stuff that happens. But what I find with me is that it's easy for me to get caught up in the whirlwind, and then Christmas goes right past, and I never have an opportunity to really kind of pause and to really stop and think through and press my heart and press my mind down on what it is that we're actually celebrating, right? Which is the birth of Jesus, really Christmas. And so I love that we have this space because this actually creates an opportunity for all of us to do that together. It's a space where we can kind of pause in the midst of everything that you're about to go do and everything you've already been doing. It's a chance for us to kind of pause together and kind of fix our attention uh, on the birth of Jesus and, and really the far-reaching implications of what that means that Christ was born. And so, so tonight, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a chance to really kind of hopefully press our hearts and our minds down and pause for a moment and really think about Christmas together and what it means that Jesus was born. So I thought that maybe kind of a fun way that we could do that, or at least to kind of start off our time, was to do something a little bit interactive. And so what I want to do is I actually want to, I know we have a bunch of kids in this service, so I actually want to invite the kids, if you're willing to, and if it's cool with your parents, to actually come and join me up here on the stage, okay? So... If you're a kid and you're in this room, I know there's a lot of kids, and your parents are cool with it, I actually want to invite you, if you want to, to please come up here, and you can come and join me on the stage. I'm going to ask you to help me a little bit. So come on up here. Come sit up on the stage. There is a black line here, so if you could stay on this side of the black line, feel free to grab a seat. Come on up, guys. Don't be shy. 
Come on up, come on up, come on up. Awesome. So last year at the Medina East Campus was actually the first year that we had the kids come up on stage, and it was so much fun that we said we definitely have to do that again this year. So, so we're doing it again. And so if you guys want to, on this black line, if you want to come to this side, so come over to this side, and don't be afraid to scooch up. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to bite you or anything, so come on up here. And thank you, guys. Thank you for, for coming here, and thank you for coming up here. So I thought maybe I could ask you guys to help me out because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help us remember and think about the birth of Jesus because it's easy to kind of lose sight of that during Christmas. So I thought maybe you guys could help me with that. Are you guys cool with that? You guys cool with helping me? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So obviously Christmas is a really exciting time of the year, right? And there's a lot to be excited about. Like, are you guys excited about Christmas? Yeah. yeah? Tomorrow? Are you guys excited about Christmas tomorrow? What are you... What are you the most excited about with Christmas? What are some of the things you're most excited about? What about you? The food. Yeah, I so agree with you. What are you the most excited about? Santa. Yeah, who could forget about him, right? He's exciting. And presents. What were you going to say? Spending time with your family. Oh, man, that's a great thing to say. I love that. I don't know whose that is, but that's wonderful. Okay, what you got? Family and friends. Yeah, getting time with your family and your friends. What about you? Having chocolate with your family. That is, that is not only very specific, but it's very accurate. I love that. I love, is, that so, is that a tradition you guys have? Is chocolate time with the family? Okay. About you, buddy. The birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus. Yes. You get all kinds of brownie points for that. Yeah. What do you think? More presents. More presents. Presents, presents in your stockings and more presents. So you like presents. Yeah, you speak for all of us. We all do. What about you? What do you think? Cookie. Cook, what was it? Cookie. Cookie contests. You guys have contests for cookies. How do I enter in that? I want that competition. That sounds very cool. What do you got? Yeah, what are you excited about? Yeah, so seeing family and friends you haven't seen in a little bit. All right, let's do one more. What do you think? Christmas parties. Yeah, okay. I, I know I said one more, but you've had your hand up. Go ahead. having people over. Yep, absolutely. So all of us are excited about presents and we're excited about food and cookies and more presents and all that kind of stuff. And Santa, like you said, and of course, all that's wonderful, but you guys are smart because I actually know a lot of you guys. And I know that you, we all know that Christmas is about more than just the presents and more than just the candy and all those things. What is it that we're actually celebrating during Christmas? Tell me, what is it? Yeah, it's the birth of Jesus, and you like your baby. Yes, you do. That's very good. That's my daughter talking to me. She's sitting in the front row. Yeah, so that, that's right. It's, it's about the birth of, of Jesus. And so here's what we're going to do. I thought that maybe you guys could help me retell the story of, of Christmas, the story of Jesus' birth. Do you guys know that story? Are you familiar with the story of when Jesus was born? So here's what we're going to do. What I'm going to do is I'm about to say once upon a time, and once I say that, I want you to help me fill in the details, okay? So I want you to tell me, what do you know about when Jesus was born? And then over here, this is Mrs. Sarah Beth. How many of you know Mrs. Sarah Beth? Yeah, I, I'm guessing a lot of you do. Mrs. Sarah Beth helps oversee our Power Kids ministry here. That's our children's ministry. And so if you don't normally come on the weekend, if you ever do come, you'll get a chance to know her and her amazing team. They're really awesome. But she's going to write down on the board some of the stuff that you guys say. All right, so here we go. You ready? This is going to be the Christmas story as told by our kids. Once upon a time, let's go. Somebody had to follow a star to a place. Yes, that's right. 
There was a star that was to be followed. What else do we know about the Christmas story? What else? What do you got? Yes, they were following the star because the Lord was being born. To give him, like, gold and stuff. To give him gold and stuff. Worship. Yes, worship him. They came to worship him. Yep, what do you think? Lots of presents. There was, there was lots of presents that were given to Jesus on Christmas? Oh, little drummer boy. There was a little drummer boy present, apparently. Okay. No, no, the little drummer boy came. The little drummer boy came during the... Okay, gotcha. Some, some, I don't think someone bought the drummer boy. Before. Nobody bought the drummer boy, right. <laughs> I hear you. I don't, think, I don't think you can buy a drummer boy. I don't know. What, what, what else do we know about the Christmas story? They worshipped him. They worshipped him. What are some of the other details that you guys know about the Christmas story? What about you? What do you know? Yeah, so there was an angel that came to Mary and told her that she was going to give birth to Jesus. You're, that's absolutely correct. What do you know? Wow. Yeah, you really know the story. She said when Jesus was born, King Herod was the king of the Jews. That's incredible that you know that. That is awesome. I can tell that, uh, that your mommy works here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the angel came to the shepherds. There were shepherds that were watching their flocks, and that kind of came. Absolutely. Who else came to see Jesus? Do you guys remember who else came to see Jesus? Who was it? There was wise men. Yeah, and do you guys know how many wise men there were? How many? Shout it out. Three. 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 So interesting. That's actually a trick question. We actually don't know how many wise men came to see Jesus. Um, in your, if you guys have a nativity scene, you usually have three. But it's actually, history tells us there probably was a lot more. But the reason we think there was three is because they brought three gifts. And do you guys know what three gifts the wise men brought? What were they? What were they? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Man, you nailed it. You got it. What else do we know about the Christmas story? Gold. We know gold was one of the gifts that was brought. Yep, absolutely. What do you guys know about Mary and Joseph? What do you know about the two of, of them? What do you know? They got married. They got married. Yes. What else do we know? They laid Jesus down in a manger. There was a manger. Um, well, in, the, in the Bible, mm-hmm. I, that I, I read that they were already yeah. Yes, that is right. You, what you're saying is correct. Mary was Mary was a virgin, and I will let you talk to your mommies and daddies about that later, and you can ask them about that. So, there you go, parents. Merry Christmas. It's fantastic. All right, is there anything else about the Christmas story that we're missing? Any final details? You need the star. You got to have a star. What else? That Jesus was born on a farm? Yeah, kind of like a farm. He was born in a manger. Do you guys know what a manger was too? A manger is kind of like a, it's like a first century garage. It was where people would keep all their animals. Okay, let's just do a couple more. What do you got? It was a barn. Yeah, it was kind of like a barn. It was sort of like that. Well, we'll do one more, and then we'll be done. And there were donkeys, so there was lots of different animals around. Okay, so I think, I think you guys pretty much did a good job here. So let's just recount. Let me make sure I have the whole story. Okay, so as you guys would say, once upon a time, uh, there were some people who followed a star to where Jesus was born, and there was wise men 
They were the ones who followed the star and they brought presents like golden stuff. There was a drummer boy who was there who could not be bought. (laughs) Mary and Joseph were part of this story. There was an angel that appeared not only to the shepherds, but to Mary and Joseph as well. King Herod was the king of the Jews during the time of Jesus' birth. The shepherds were watching their flocks by night. The wise men were involved. Jesus was born in a manger, kind of like a farm slash barn. There was a donkey involved as well as other animals. Is that pretty much it? Is that pretty much the story? I think you guys nailed it. I think you guys did a great job. So why don't you guys, yeah, thank you. So why don't you guys go ahead and grab a seat, go back with your mommies and daddies. There's a, there is a piece of candy that is waiting for you. If you wanna grab that on your way to sit down, please do that as a way of saying thanks. And please ask your mom and dad before you eat that. That'd be awesome. So thank you guys. Man, that's, that's, that's wonderful. So this is the sixth time now that we've done this with the kids. Last night, at our, uh, I think it was uh, our four o'clock service, probably one of the greatest things I've ever heard in my life, is we asked the kids, we said, uh, you know, tell us the Christmas story. And one of the boys that was sitting up here, he said, uh, he goes, yeah, the Christmas story. He said, that's about the birth of the king of the shoes. (laughs) And I was like, I think you mean king of the Jews, but that works too. So that was, that was outstanding. But, uh, Really, really fun. So, so the, reason, the reason that we do this, uh, that I had the kids help me with this, is actually not just because it's fun and, and kind of neat to, to see what they're going to say, but it actually is also to make, make kind of a point. And the point that I wanted to make is quite simply this, is that this story, right, the Christmas story, with all of these various, you know, pieces of the story, like the star and Jesus being born and, and presents and Mary and Joseph and the angel and King Herod and shepherds, This story right here is one that all of us are familiar with, right? This is a story that all of us, just like the kids here, we all kind of get the basic gist of the Christmas story. In fact, my guess is that even if you're not a church person or you're not a Jesus person or you're not a Bible person, my guess is that you still know this story, right? You're still familiar with the basic ingredients of the Christmas story, that there is nothing that is up here that is different or strange or weird to you. And the reason is because this is the story on this board, basically, like most of this, is the story that we are told every year during Christmas about the birth of Jesus. This is the story that we sing about in our Christmas songs. This is the story that is referenced in our Christmas movies. This is the story that is represented in the nativity set that you probably have at your house. This is the story that we see on the Christmas invitations and Christmas cards that we exchange with each other. And all I'm saying is we are all very, very familiar with this Christmas story. And of course, all the details that are on here they're all correct, right? Well, I should say most of them. I'm not sure about the drummer boy, drummer boy. But all the details that are on here, they're correct. And the reason we know that is because the Bible actually tells us this very same story. To be more specific, there are actually four first century historical accounts that we have in the Bible that tell us about the birth of Jesus. And some of you might know this. Within the Bible, there are four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, And these are the four first century historical accounts that we have of the life of Jesus. Now, some of you already knew that, but what you might not know, and I think this is really fascinating, is that of these four accounts of the life of Jesus that we have, that only three of them really tell about the birth of Jesus. And so Matthew, Luke, and John, they actually tell us about Jesus' birth. They have a Christmas story. Mark says nothing about the birth of Jesus. He just tells us about the life of Jesus. And what's even more interesting, at least I think is interesting, is that of these three, Matthew, Luke, and John, 
Only really two of them, Matthew and Luke, give us the details and give us the circumstances of Jesus' birth. These two right here, Matthew and Luke, is where we get the bulk of our Christmas story. So I don't know if you know this, everything on this board, with the exception of, I think, the drummer boy, everything on this board comes from Matthew and Luke's account. So when we talk about Bethlehem and we talk about the star and we talk about Mary and Joseph and we talk about the angel appearances to the shepherds and to Mary and Joseph, we talk about the wise men and the manger and the animals, that is all in Matthew and Luke. Matthew, for example, Matthew's the one who tells us about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Matthew is the one that tells us about Mary and Joseph. Matthew is the one that tells us about King Herod being the king of the Jews during the birth of Jesus. And then Luke, Luke is the one that tells us about the angelic appearances to the shepherds. And my guess is you're probably familiar with Luke. Even if you're not a Bible person, you're familiar with Luke because that's the one that Linus recites in Charlie Brown's Christmas. You guys remember that? When he's like, this is the real meaning of Christmas, Charlie Brown. And he gets up and he talks about it. That's Luke. That's what he's referring to. And so these, these accounts we're all familiar with. Those are the stories that we tend to tell. Matthew and Luke are the ones that make it into our Christmas songs. They're the ones that make it into our nativity sets and, and all of the decorations that we have during Christmas. But of course, what, what I think you probably see is that if those two give us all the details, there actually is one that's missing, right? And that leaves this guy down here. That's John, the Gospel of John. John is the only other first century account of the birth of Jesus that we have. And what you find is that John, John, his story about the birth of Jesus really never makes it into our Christmas songs. And John's account of the birth of Jesus really never makes it into our movie references. And he really never makes it onto our Christmas cards. In fact, my guess is quite honestly that the vast majority of you in this room have probably never read John's account of the Christmas story. And the reason for that, quite honestly, is because of all of the Christmas accounts that we have, John's is probably the weirdest. It's kind of the weirdest of them all. John does not tell his story of the birth of Jesus the same way that Matthew and Luke do. He tells it very, very different, and he tells it in such a way that, quite honestly, is a little bit strange. In fact, I would even say that of all the Christmas stories that we have about the birth of Jesus... John's is probably the weirdest Christmas story ever. It's probably the strangest of them all. And yet, I believe that John's Christmas story is deeply profound, deeply profound. And so I thought maybe what we could do tonight is as we're kind of celebrating Christmas and thinking about Jesus and the birth of Jesus on this Christmas Eve, I thought that maybe it'd be cool if we read John's Christmas story, if we read the account of the birth of Jesus according to John. And I think what you're going to find when you listen to and as we read this together, you're going to find that it's very different than the story that we see on this board. And I think what you're going to see is that what John is trying to tell us is that Christmas, Christmas is actually about much, much more than we tend to make it. That Christmas is actually bigger than you might think. So let's read and listen to this together. This is John's account of the birth of Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. 
He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And there you have it. That's John's account of the birth of Jesus. And like I told you, it's, it's a little different. It's a little strange. It's a little hard to understand. And at first glance, when we read it, it can seem a bit confusing. I don't know if you notice, John mentions nothing about the star. He mentions nothing about Mary and Joseph. He mentions nothing about the drummer boy. He never shows up in John's account of the birth of Jesus. And, and, and when you read John's account, like I said, at first glance, it seems a little confusing. And it can seem a little, honestly, odd. John says some weird stuff, right? John says stuff like this. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Like, what does that even mean? It's, it's, it's bizarre. It's a little bit strange. It's kind of weird. John says stuff like this. John says that the light came into the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. What does that mean? I mean, it sounds artistic and symbolic, but it's a little strange, a little hard to understand. John says stuff like this. He says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And it's, it's just weird. It's a little bit bizarre. And like I said, because it can sound so artistic and so kind of abstract and so lofty and so weird and so hard to understand, a lot of times what we do is we dismiss it and ignore it and move on to Matthew and Luke because those ones are easier to understand. But I think, I think that that's a mistake. I think it's a big mistake because I believe that what John is trying to communicate to us is that Christmas is actually much bigger and it's about much more than we tend to make it. You see, I think that Luke and Matthew, I think they're concerned about telling us the details of the birth of Jesus, right? They're interested in locating the birth of Jesus in time and space and history. But John, what you see is John is not as interested in the details. John is more interested in what the meaning of Christmas is. He wants to tell us, don't miss it. Christmas is about much more than we tend to make it. I just want you to notice, for example, look where John begins his Christmas story. Do you notice this in verse 1? When John begins to talk about the birth of Jesus, he begins here. He begins in the beginning, which, of course, is always a great place to start, right, is the beginning. But notice what kind of beginning he's talking about. Do you notice this? What kind of beginning? Well, like when all things were made kind of beginning. This is like the beginning beginning. Notice, isn't it interesting that when John begins his Christmas story, he doesn't begin in Bethlehem. He doesn't begin with Mary and Joseph. He doesn't even begin with a baby. He starts all the way back at the very beginning when all things were created. John zooms all the way out when he tells the story about the birth of Jesus. And he goes all the way back to the beginning of all things, the creation of the universe itself. I think, I think what's so interesting is uh, when John actually says this, when he says in the beginning, that's actually intended to remind us of another place in the Bible where it says the same thing. And I know not everyone in this room is familiar with the Bible. Some of you are maybe not Bible people. But for some of you in the room, can you tell me, do you know of another place where it begins in the beginning? Can you tell me? Genesis, right? Genesis chapter 1 
starts the same way. This is the first book, first chapter, first verse in the entire Bible. And it begins by saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Genesis 1 doesn't simply tell us that God created all things. It actually tells us how God created all things. And how did God create all things? Well, Genesis 1 tells us that the way that God created everything was through his word. That, he, that the impetus behind all of creation was that God spoke. And it was through his word that things came into existence. And so in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible tells us that with each progressive step of creation, that it, it tells us, and God said. So verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And then continually throughout creation, it's going to go on to say, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. And what Genesis 1 is telling us is that God created all things, and the way he did that was through his word. That God is the creative initiative behind the entire universe. Now, if you can understand that, when you go back to John, this is exactly what John is saying. Because look at what he says in, in verse 1. In the beginning was the, say it with me, was the, was the word. And he says, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made that, that have been made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And what's he talking about there? Now, again, that might sound like a really confusing way to say it, but what John is referring to is he's referring back to Genesis. And what he's saying is that all the way back in the very beginning was the word, the word in which everything was created. I think what's actually more clarifying is the term that's used here, word, if you look at it in the original Greek language, is actually where we get our English word logic from. And so what is John saying? Here, here's what he's saying. He's saying that all the way back in the beginning, God, God was the logic. God was the intelligent mind behind all of creation. That everything that we see in the universe that has been created was created by the word. In other words, the logic or the intelligent, rational mind that was behind it all, and that was God. I love the way, um, there's actually a very, very famous and brilliant mathematician by the name of John Lennox. And I actually really love what he said on this, on this verse. Uh, this is what he said. I thought this was very clarifying. He said, the universe I hold bears evidence of, uh, of being the result of an intelligent mind. First in its laws that we hold in mathematical form and in its structures. But not only that, in our own genetic code, we find that at the heart of each one of the 10 trillion cells in our bodies, there's a massive database that is like a computer code. Now watch, watch what he says next. He says, DNA is a complicated code of information, right? DNA, which is inside of each and every single one of us, is a complicated code of information. We have information encoded in us. Information is not material. It is immaterial. Now look at this. Creation itself needs information encoding. It needs logic. It needs word. So what is John Lennox saying? I think what John Lennox is saying is actually saying the same thing that the Gospel of John is saying, which I believe is the same thing that Genesis is saying. And what's that? It's saying this, that the logic, that the rational mind behind all things is God, that that is God, that creation needs word, it needs intelligence, it needs logic behind it, and that is God. That when you look at the universe, and you look at the fine-tuning of the universe that we live in, when you look at our own planet, and you look at how our own planet is perfectly positioned in such a way that it can sustain life, when you look even at our own DNA, 
and you look at the, the, the program that is encoded in us, the information that is within our own cells, all of it is screaming out and it's all testifying that there is some intelligent mind that is behind all of this. And what John is saying and what Genesis is saying is that is the word and that word is God. Now, I know that's a big concept, but if you can get your mind around that, then I want you to notice what John says next because what he says next is crazy. This is John's account of the birth of Jesus. Look at verse 14. John says, the word, the word, like the, the word which created all things, the word which is behind all of the universe, the intelligent mind behind all that was made became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. And what is John saying here? I think, I think what John is saying in these 10 little words 10 little words, you have all of the magnificence and all of the mystery and all of the meaning of Christmas contained within it. What he's saying is that here's what Christmas is about. This is John's Christmas account. There's no Bethlehem, there's no manger, there's no Mary and Joseph. He says, the word, the word that created all things has become flesh and has come to say God himself has entered into the human story. See, and I think what John is telling us is this. I think what he's saying is Christmas Christmas is so much bigger than you might think. Christmas is so much bigger than we make it. It's easy sometimes to make Christmas small, isn't it? It's easy to make Christmas about the traditions and about the presents and about the gatherings and about the the get-togethers and about the cookie competitions and eating chocolate with your family like we talked about earlier, right? It's It's easy to make Christmas smaller than it really is. And don't hear me wrong. All of those things, all of those things, the traditions and Santa and the presents, that's all fun. It's actually part of what makes Christmas so so wonderful is the familiarity of it, right? It's the nostalgia. In fact, my guess is that many of you are probably gonna go from this place and you're gonna go tonight and tomorrow and you're gonna go on to do very familiar things. You're probably gonna go to the same places and see the same people that you did last year. You're gonna eat the same food. You're gonna listen to the same songs. You're gonna watch the same movies. That's part of the fun of Christmas, right? You're gonna be with the same people that annoy you. That's, that's That's part of what Christmas, that's part of what makes Christmas great is the nostalgia and is the familiarity to it. It's also, by the way, what can make Christmas so difficult. And I don't wanna pretend for a moment that there's not some of you in this room who you would tell me that Christmas is the hardest time of year for you. And the reason for that is because of the familiar. It's because Christmas is a reminder to you of what you once had, but you've since lost. And so for some of you, Christmas is a reminder, maybe the loss of a parent, the loss of a loved one, a relative, God forbid, the loss of a child. For some of you, it's a reminder of a loss of a relationship or the loss of a marriage that you once had. But for some of you, it's a reminder of the loss of health that you've had in the past. And I'm just saying, I know Christmas can be difficult for some of us, but here's what John is trying to tell us. He's saying Christmas is actually much, much more than you might think. It's deeper and more profound and bigger than we tend to make it. And John's saying, don't miss it. See, because here's the crazy thing. If this is true, if what John says here is true about Christmas, that Christmas is the word, the God who's behind all of creation that has come to us and has come in the flesh, then this, is, this has profound, far-reaching, life-changing implications because this tells us not just something about Christmas, this actually tells us something about God. And what does it tell us about God? Well, first off, here's what this tells us. If the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, that means that God is personal. 
Christmas is a profound declaration to us that God is a personal God. If the word, the God behind all of creation became flesh, what that means is God is not just some vague and personal force. God is not just some far off, detached, distant power source, but he's a person, which means he has a will, which means he has emotions, which means he has desires, which means he has a personality. See, all of these things are revealed to us in Christmas. God is personal. And because God is personal, it also reveals to us that God is knowable. If the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, that means something amazing. And here's what it means. It means that the God who created all things, you can know him. You can have a relationship with him. You can actually know what he's like. And, and you're like, well, how do, I, how do I know this God? How do I know this God? Well, the way you know God is the way you know anybody. You know him through their word. It's through their word. Do you ever notice how a person's word is the fullest expression of who they are? You can observe a person from a distance and you can infer a lot of things about that person, but it's not until you actually have a conversation with them that you say that you actually know them. Do you ever notice that? So like, for example, let's just say you didn't know me and some of you in this room don't know me, so that's not hard to imagine, but I want you to imagine that for one full day, you just observed me from afar. So you didn't know me. You just observed me from afar for one day, which, by the way, don't do that. That's creepy, and I might call the police if you did. But if you did, all right, if you did do that, you would be able to logically deduce certain things about me through observation. So you'd be able to tell, first and foremost, you'd be able to tell that I'm, you know, I'm dangerously attractive. So that would be obvious. That's obvious. But aside from that, what you would also be able to tell about me is you'd be able to tell if you watch me for a day that I have four kids. You'd be able to deduce that through observation. You'd be able to infer that I drive a white Chevy Impala. You would know about me that I like to drink excessive amounts of coffee because I have four kids and it's the only way I can survive, right? You would, you would be able to know, you'd be able to tell things about me just by watching me. But if someone asked you, do you know Tony personally, you would say no. And why? You would say, well, we've never talked before. We've never had a conversation. We've never exchanged words. And why is that? It's because our words are the fullest expression of who we are. It's how we communicate who we are. It's how we communicate our interests. It's how we communicate our perspective on life. It's how we communicate our will and our desires. It's how, it's how we communicate our emotions. It's through our words. Now, listen, here's all I'm saying. Here's all I'm saying. You can infer a lot about God through observation, just, just from what he made. So let's say tonight, for example, if you were to go out in the parking lot and you were to look at the stars, if the stars are visible tonight, which there's, there's probably low likelihood because we live in Northeast Ohio, but if you looked up and you saw the stars, you could probably logically deduce certain things about God. You could say, okay, if there is a God, then obviously he must be pretty powerful because if he created all of that, that, that means he must be pretty big and pretty strong. You could logically infer that through what you observe, right? You, you, could, you could deduce through observation that God must be very sophisticated. And so when you look at creation and you look at the complexity of our own DNA and how everything, you know, math and science and, and, and all that kind of stuff, you could probably infer, well, God must be very sophisticated if there is a God. You could probably look at a mother holding a small child and you could probably somehow observe that if there is a God, he must be relational, because why would he create this, this way unless he was a relational God? So there's certain things that you could observe about him, but here's the point. You can't actually know God personally until you take him at his word. And so what does it mean that the Bible says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us? Here's what it means. 
It means that you can know God. It means that God is not just personal. He is knowable. And you can know him. And how do you know him? You know him through his word. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus Christ is the fullest expression of who God is. And because of that, that means also that God is accessible. God, the God of the universe, who created everything, who when he spoke, billions of galaxies came into existence, is personal and he is knowable and he's accessible. So one of the things I love so much about Christmas, if this is true, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, that it tells us that God is the one who initiated a relationship with us, that unlike every other world religion that tells us that we have to work our way to God, John says, no, 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 God worked his way to you. That's what Christmas is about. God is the one who initiated a relationship with you. God is the one who spoke the first word in this conversation. And he is inviting you to come and know him. And so Christmas, see, Christmas is not just a declaration about who God is. Christmas is an invitation to you. It's an invitation to me. You can know God. You can know him through his word, through Jesus Christ. And John is saying, man, we make Christmas so small, but it's about so much more. It's so much bigger because it's the invitation to know God at his word. And the word has become flesh and he has made his dwelling among us. It's pretty amazing if you think about it that what John is telling us is that the, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And what that means is that this, this baby that we're singing about that was born on that silent night was somehow mystically and mysteriously and wonderfully the very same one who when he spoke a hundred billion galaxies were born. And yet somewhere contained in this, this little infant was the fullness of all which was created. I think what John is trying to tell us is that man Christmas is so much bigger than we tend to think. And this Jesus, this baby would grow up and he would be the man on the cross who would die for the sins of humanity that would ultimately take on our sins that we could be reconciled to God. And I think what John is trying to tell us is that man, God is personal and God is knowable and God is accessible. And Christmas is an invitation to know God through his word, Jesus Christ. Go ahead and extinguish your candles at this time. And if you would remain standing for just a moment, before we sing our final song and dismiss, I want to just um, give some practical encouragement. I know that in light of a conversation like this, it's a pretty big conversation. Um, but what are some practical steps that you could take in light of this? And, and here's what I would say to everybody in this room. I would encourage you to not leave Jesus in the manger. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, it's really easy this time of year to, um, to be interested or to, to be open to Jesus. And, uh, and then it's also very easy that after the holidays pass to go back on and put Jesus away and uh, to not revisit the conversation again until next Christmas or at least until Easter. And I want to encourage you not to do that. Don't leave Jesus in the manger because if what Christmas is telling us is that Christmas is God's invitation for you to know him through his son, Jesus Christ. Don't leave it here, but take it beyond this. And I would actually really encourage you, you know, here's a practical thing you could do. If you've never looked into, if you've never investigated the person of Jesus, one, one easy way you could do that is start by reading those four books that I mentioned, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first century accounts of the life of Jesus. See what he said about himself. See how he lived his life. See what he did. Read those. Look at Jesus because he's God's invitation to know him.
And, you know, I, I also want to encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, you can just have one of ours. You can take one of those black Bibles to the chairs. We would love to give you one of those because the whole reason we exist as a church is to help connect you to the person of Jesus Christ. And lastly, I would encourage you. In fact, I want to invite you, uh, even if you're not part of our church here, next week, actually this coming weekend, Saturday and Sunday, uh, we are starting a brand new series that we're calling Jesus Come and See. And in this series, we're actually going to start kind of at Christmas, and we're going to work our way all the way to Easter, and we are going to look at the life and the teachings of Jesus. And so I would encourage you, regardless of where you are in your faith journey, whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're someone who's investigating Jesus or whether you're someone who's skeptical of religion and the whole thing, I want to invite you to take the invitation of Christmas to come and see Jesus, to come and check him out. So I want to invite you out to that series. Please know that you are deeply loved by God. You are dearly loved by us. And we're so thankful that you're here and that you made this part of your Christmas celebration. Why don't we pray together and then we'll sing one last song. Well, Jesus, I just want to say thank you so much that you are the word who has come to us, that you are the word become flesh. And uh, thank you that you have revealed to us what God is like and that you have showed us that. And Father, I pray that even today you would help some of us to see, maybe for the first time, that what is true about you, that you are personal, that you are knowable, that you are accessible. And God, I pray that you'd help us to take the conversation even beyond this one room, that we would come and see who you are so that we can know who you are through your son, Jesus Christ. And God, I pray you'd bless us as we go from this place, as we go into our families, and we go into our celebrations, and we go into our traditions. I pray we would enjoy those, that we would enjoy each other, enjoy the fun, enjoy the family. But I, I pray, Father, also that we wouldn't miss it, that we wouldn't miss the real meaning of Christmas in the midst of all of it. And so, God, thank you for an opportunity even here tonight to pause and reflect on those things. I ask, God, that we'd be blessed for having heard some of the things that we've heard tonight. I pray that maybe we'd live differently as a result of it. And I pray we leave knowing that you deeply love and deeply care about each and every single one of us, so much so that you would even send your son into this world. And so we want to pray these things and ask him in Jesus' name.